This episode is brought to you by Adele Golf, and we're going to talk single length irons. If you've ever wondered how a single length four iron goes just as far as a standard length, well, I have as well. So we asked David Adele, and he explained. The main attributes to single length that provide the benefit and distance that is the misconception based on its being shorter is the fact that the mass of the head is generally about 30 grams to 35 grams heavier than a standard four iron. And the two inch difference in club head speed is minimal compared to the amount of force that's being applied to the golf ball in a more perpendicular manner than a lofted golf club that compresses the ball. And with this face flex technology and more mass, that golf ball is going to spin and get height and get distance. Adele Golf makes amazing single-length irons, and you should check them out. They have an amazing demo program, so you can test them out before purchasing. You can head over and get all the details at golfsciencelab.com slash Adele. We have a bunch of podcasts, videos, diving into single-length irons. And if you do get a set, tag us, Golf Science Lab, Adele Golf, and a picture on Twitter, Instagram. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everyone. Welcome down to today's episode. My name is Cordy. I'm your host. I think it's really interesting to look behind the scenes with manufacturers. We see this outward projection on social media and marketing and ads, but it's a whole nother thing to talk about what they're looking into, insights they find interesting, and where they're investing their time and energy. And today, we're sitting down to talk with Sam Bettinardi of, you guessed it, Bettinardi Putters. Sam Bettinardi, VP of Bettinardi Golf, you know, work a lot on uh, the day-to-day operations of what we're doing here. I run all of our sales, you know, international sales, domestic sales, recently been getting heavily involved in design. So a lot of product you see in the hive, I have my hand on that product along with my father, you know, overseeing how we're making our product, trying to make it more efficient, working with tour players and top amateurs. So, you know, my last name is Bettinardi. So there's a lot of things that I do and I try and do, you know, it's hard to do everything really well, but I try and have my hands in everything kind of giving the strategic vision and direction for the brand. And today we are talking about myths of putting design and manufacturing, helping you understand this world and, and this whole industry a little bit better as Bettinardi is designing and coming up with new putters all the time, working with a stable of tour pros and they're pumping out a ton of putters that I know a lot of you like. Uh, funny, this podcast was scheduled to go out this week and it also happened that Francesco Molinari won the Open. So he was using one of the one of Bettinardi putters. We have some images of that along with the details on on the post golfsciencelab.com you can find there. Bettinardi has also given us a coupon code for 10% off anything, which is pretty killer. So you can check that out. Use that coupon code on our post along with this on the golfsciencelab.com. Get all that info. Check that out. Recommend you do. And the first concept that we're going to talk about today with Sam is the face of the putter. Over the years, we've seen tons of different putter inserts and all kinds of different things have been marketed and told to us. And the question is, what makes it different? And Sam is going to talk a little bit about Bettinardi's experience and research that they've done. We have never found in the last, this is our 20th year in business, Cordy. So we've done a lot of research and we've never found once 
that any particular face milling gets the ball rolling quicker or end over end faster than any other face milling. So because we own our own manufacturing facility and we make all of our own putters in house, we have the unique ability to mill a face, you know, any face we want on the fly and go test it out pretty quickly. So we actually offer in our production line of putters, our fly mill face milling, our micro honeycomb, and our fit face, FIT face, which stands for field impact technology. Those are our three faces. Now, based on those three faces, there's probably three to four variations of each face that are very subtle that we've also tested to see how the ball rolls. My father and I personally believe that feel is is sound. So when a putter comes off our fit face, which is our softest face, we have a lot of tour players like Kuchar and Freddie Couples and Molinari and Hao Tsung Lee, China's number one player that like that fit face because it's so soft and it's very receptive on the fast greens on tour. Our micro honeycomb is more firm. It has more of a poppy feel. We've worked with great players who love that feel. And the fly mill is kind of right in the middle ground. Now, through all the faces that we've tried, not once have we seen any face come off the putter head quicker. So to you and kind of what your question is, yes, I do believe that's a myth. I don't think there's any evidence that could proclaim that a ball starts rolling end over end. I think it's all feel. And that comes back to sound and what the player's hearing. That's why some players may prefer a firmer face versus some may prefer, you know, a soft marshmallowy face. It all comes back to the player. And that's that's feel. That's what it is. So you guys are saying, all right, we need to manipulate the sound that the ball makes when it comes off of the putter so that our players are getting those different feels then. That's what that's what's going on when you're doing these different patterns or different faces in the putters. Correct. And to give you kind of a, a funny example, we have a great, great tour players on the European tour right now. He used to be the number two amateur in the world. He uses a Betnardi putter. And he was using our fit face. He previously used our putter with a different fit face milling, which we didn't even really know because it was so subtle. So he just kept telling us there's something not right. There's something not right. We finally measured the depth of the grooves. And for whatever reason, the tool had cut 7,000 deeper on the original one he liked. So when we matched it up to how he preferred, he actually started putting better because that was what he was used to hearing and the sound coming off the putter head. So yes, that's what we're trying to manipulate is the sound that the players are hearing, which translates right into feel. So is that different, like you said, different depths of the grooves? Is that different materials or what changes the sound? No, just just, the, just how deep that we're going on our face milling. So if we have a machine cutting tool that goes... And I can't give exact numbers because that's a little proprietary. But if it goes so deep into the the face, that means you're removing more material, which means it's going to be a softer feel versus let's say on like a very like if we had our fit face, but we only went in so deep, like a very light fit face. That would mean it would feel firmer because there's less there's going to be more mass hitting the golf ball on that on that fit face versus if we go really deep like we did for that tour player. That would mean there's a softer feel, and that's what he was looking for in that that fit face milling. Gotcha, gotcha. And how do you guys fit players for these different these different feels? Because I know, like I've so I've played the same old Scotty Cameron forever, and I've tried to switch different putters, and, and I've always found it difficult. And and I hear things like this, and I feel like I should know what I want in the face, but I I really don't have a have a clue what's best for me or what I like. Right. So how do how do we figure out like what people need in that feel? Well, what, st- what style are you using right now? Um, it's a mallet, kind of rounded. 
head shape. One of the old studio ones or something like that. Got it. So, I mean, across his milling, it's all the same. It's all fly mill. But if you come look at the Betnardi models that we have available, we have three face milling. So if you were to come to our studio here in Chicago or most of our retailers around the country carry our product and just roll the different feels and the different styles, you'd be able to find one that, that feels best to you. I think the most important thing when picking a putter is looks. So you have to look down at a putter that you feel confident in that makes you feel like you want to make putts. And then second thing would be the face milling. That's where it gets so intricate with some of our tour players because they can tell the slightest nuances in the product that they're about to use. So it really makes a big difference to them. But for the average golfer, I'm not sure you're handicapped, Cordy, but uh, the average golfer out there, weekend player, first start with looks. And then if you can really decipher feel, whether it's a milled putter or a uh, cast putter with a plastic insert in the face or a milled putter, the different face milling, start with looks and then whittle it down to what feels the best for you. Definitely some new insights in there on what we're seeing in the face of putters. I had no idea. That's why we have different milling and how they did it or or why they did it. Really cool stuff. Uh, And I do want to say this again. This is Bettinardi's testing and opinion. I'm just assuming they have not third party tested this with peer reviewed research. And just because this is the golf science lab doesn't mean that we have to ignore everything besides pure academic science. I I think there's a lot of value everywhere and, and useful info to learn like this from Sam. So Sam has seen a lot of golfers coming through Studio B at their facility just outside Chicago, and they take golfers through fittings all the time. And there's a particular trait that he's seen pop up over and over that is definitely not helping golfers make more putts. A lot of people come in with their putters being too upright. So if you think about when you set up to a putter, You want your arms to hang free, nice and loose, versus a lot of people are so stiff and so upright, where our standard lie used to be 71, now our standard lie 70, and we a lot lot of times will end up bending that putter more flat, 68, 69, sometimes 67. So we do find a lot of golfers, maybe 7 to 8 out of 10, will actually bend more flat because they're too upright. Why have you gone to that more flat lie? What's the advantage of doing that? Well, one of the advantages is if it is at 71 degrees and we do bend it flat, let's say you take our Studio Stock 28s, okay, the same head shape that Matt Kuchar uses. That putter has about one-eighth toe hang, one-eighth to one-quarter toe hang, so just very, very slight hang. If that was at 71 and you wanted to bend it two degrees flat or three degrees flat, let's say from 71 to 68, you're actually creating heel hang on the putter to where if you were to look at if it was face balance or not, the toe would actually be up in the air a little bit. And that's actually the kiss of death we believe in golf because that would promote more of a outside in kind of a stroke or over the top putting stroke where you always want to be inside to inside or more of a, if anything, straight back, straight through. So we've gone down to 70. So if you do bend it two degrees flat, instead of having it one quarter to one eight toe hang, it'll be more face balance. So again, if you if you do have put people that want to go to 65, 66, 67, that's a you know four, five, six, seven degrees flat, you will see some towing. So the the more that we can have putters with a little bit of hang at about a quarter to one one eighth and then bend it flat, that is more beneficial to 
the golfer to be at that more face balance position versus a heel hang spot. Gotcha. Sorry, dumb question. Toe hang, could you define that? Sure. So if you were to take a putter, and it's kind of hard to describe on a podcast, but if you were to take your right index finger and your left index finger and put your right index finger near the head of the putter on the shaft, let it balance there, and then take your left index finger, put it near the grip on the shaft, and then you hold it out in front of you, you can see how the putter head hangs. Okay. So if you do that with an answer style blade, like our BB1 or our BB29, you'll see that it has about one quarter toe hang or one half toe hang, meaning that the toe of the putter goes to about, mm, let's say, five o'clock, 4.30, three o'clock when the toe hangs down. Versus if you were to take like our new MOI style putter, like our BB56, or Innovate 5.0, and you do that with your index fingers to check how the toe hangs, you would see that it would be near face balance. So the face of the putter would be resting almost perpendicular to the ceiling or to the floor, however you want to think about it. And that would be more of a face balance putter. So in short, I guess I would say how toe hangs determined is where the shaft goes into the putter, where it intersects. The closer the shaft goes near the heel of the putter, the more toe hang it's going to have. The more the shaft goes to the center of the club head, the more face balance it's going to be. And we can offset some of that with single bend shafts or double bend shafts. And it may sound a little bit complicated, but if you looked at it visually, it would make a lot, lot of sense. Yeah. And and what is that toe hang? If, if you have a putter that has a toe hang like that, like the kind of the classic design, the BB1, what does that promote then? It's hanging down. So there is more weight or a little bit more weighted towards the toe. So you would have more of an inside stroke type where if I saw a golfer that was just starting out, I'd say, hey, you want to try and take this more straight back, straight through or slight inside to inside. You want to putter with as little amount of toe hang as possible. And that's what I would try and put them in. That makes a lot of sense. And so you find that 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 kind of style then is for someone that's been using that a while it's kind of that staying with that that you see the most benefits from staying with the toe hang? Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's been with it for a while. I mean, it just all depends on your stroke type. You know, if you're a guy that has an arc in your stroke, then I would stick with putters that have toe hang. They have a three-quarter toe hang, half toe hang, quarter toe hang. But if you're a player that doesn't need that arc or doesn't have that arc in your stroke, then I would suggest something that is more on the face balance scale. Another interesting thing that Bettinardi is at the forefront of is this idea of arm lock putting. You've seen Matt Kuchar doing this. He obviously does it really well. He switched in 2013 and saw his putting stats improve in 2014. So I was curious to hear a little bit of the story behind it, the technical aspects of what's going on with that putter, and maybe why it's something that we should consider. So Matt Kuchar approached us in 2012 we had a little bit of history with Matt Kuchar. He won the 2002 Honda Classic with a Bettinardi putter, his first ever PGA Tour win. So he had been to our facility, knew what our capabilities were, that we could really make anything he could dream up. So he approached us in 2012, right after he won the money title on the PGA Tour, and told us that he was looking for a way to become more consistent on the greens. And if we could make him a putter that somehow he braced into his forearm while he was putting, that he would love to try something like that or would love to use it. So we went to work and with our team of engineers, 
designed probably four or five putters, sent them to Matt, liked one, didn't like the others, made some tweaks, made some tweaks. We probably made them about 20 putters all in all with different styles, different neck positions, different lofts, different offsets, all the, the whole gamut. When finally he settled on a putter that had seven degrees of loft and two and a half shafts of offset. And the reason this was important is because when Matt sets up to the ball, he has his ball positioned slightly forward and he braces the grip and the shaft of the putter into his left forearm. So when he does that, he's already de-lofting the putter head. So imagine if you're set up at set up square to the putt with a normal putter, just straight up and down. But when you have an arm lock in your in your hands, you're already forward pressing it by putting it in your forearm, which is de-lofting it. So that's why it required seven degrees of loft. So when Matt set up, he actually de-lofted it from seven down to about three or four, which is more of a normal loft. And the offset is because it was so far forward and his hands were forward. He needed that shaft bend to look down at it so it didn't look like you know something that was crazy it looked a little bit more natural to have that in there and matt's putter was also 44 and three quarters inch in length because he's six foot four and he stood a little bit taller and he had the grip riding up his entire left forearm until just about two inches below his left elbow fast forward to today which is about five years later he's now at 42 inches with five degrees aloft so he feels that instead of having his arms and hands so far out in front of his body, he's actually got his stroke a little bit closer to him where there's minimal, there's less loft that's needed on the putter. He still has the two and a half shafts of offset, but now he's at five degrees, which in my opinion is a little bit less intimidating to look at. It's where I putt with mine. You know, Webb Simpson just won. He was at eight degrees of loft. You know, we've had other players on tour use it and play well with five degrees. So that's where it is very important to get fit and, you know, check out what the best position is for your hands and ball position and how you want to hold it if you are a golfer that is considering going into an arm lock putter. What changes in the putter stroke when going from a traditional to the arm lock? Are there any noticeable like shifts in, in how a player swings the, the putter? Yeah, I mean, arm lock, when you think about it, a lot of people say arm bar or arm lock. It's arm lock because you're locking your forearm and the grip into your arm. And when you think about that motion, there's no way your wrists or your hands can break down. So for me, I can speak from experience. When I'm standing over a putt with an arm lock and I have an 8-10 footer, and sometimes what I need to do is rock my shoulders and the putter head does the rest of the work for you. Where, of course, you want to still feel the shoulder rock with a short putter, but I feel like the arm lock uses more of the big muscles in the back and it takes the wrists out of the putting stroke. There's no way your wrist can break down to a push or a pull with the arm lock when it's braced into your forearm with that grip. Thank you so much to Sam for joining us. It was fun to hear behind the scenes what Bettinardi is doing, talk about some of these myths in putting that we believe, and get some insights that we don't often get. So appreciate that very much. Make sure to check out what they're up to at Bettinardi Putters. And um, they have some new wedges coming out as well. They always have new stuff coming out in the hive. Lots of really, really cool designs. And remember that coupon code or promo code GSL10 to get 10% off is, is pretty sick. So make sure to check that out. Thanks again for joining us. If you are not subscribed to this podcast where you're listening on your iPhone, for instance, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date. We have most likely two episodes coming out the week that you're listening to 
to this too, so don't miss either of those. And if you want to be a Golf Science Live insider, get our newsletter and stay up to date, get access first on everything, make sure to do that at golfsciencelab.com slash insider. And this episode is hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions.